Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Friends don't let friends pay full price for furniture. And guess what? We're friends. We are STR besties. And that is why I'm not going to let you jump off of this podcast episode without joining Minoan. Minoan is a 100% free service for hosts to use that allows you to shop from your favorite furniture brands. The ones that are always on your wish list, always on your mood board, but you think that they're out of price. Pottery Barn, Crate and Barrel, Parachute Linens. Yeah, those ones. Guess what? You can shop those at 30, 40, 50, even 60% off with Minoan, which again is a completely free service to use. All you have to do is shop on your favorite websites, install the Minoan Chrome extension before you do, and anytime that you are on a partnered website of Minoan, you will see the little Chrome extension pop up. That means that you can get discounts on that furniture. Instead of adding it to cart on the Pottery Barn site, add it to cart on your Minoan dashboard, request a quote, and see those discounts roll in. If you're sitting there and you're like, okay, Natalie, this sounds amazing, sounds too good to be true, but I don't know what to shop for. I don't know how to put a room together. I am not a designer and I don't have a good eye for that. Fear not, because right now you can go to the Minoan dashboard and shop the Level Up Your Listing and Minoan Get the Look brand collaboration. This was Tatiana, Taylor Tate, and myself who went through and put together a completely done-for-you design featuring two bedrooms, a living room, a dining room, and an outdoor space all using products that you can get discounts on through Minoan. We took all of the guesswork out for you down to the quantity and the number of things that you need to order to fit your space. So go to the Minoan dashboard, you will see our banner image pop up and click on the Level Up Your Listing brand collaboration where you can get the look that we put together with some of our favorite pieces from our favorite brands that are currently trending right now. So you know that your listing is going to look fabulous. Pick and choose whatever you want. You do not have to order from the entire collection that we put together, but it's a really good starting point if you are feeling lost on how to style your place. Tatiana and I had so much fun putting these looks together. So if you need a little bit of inspiration, go ahead to Minoan today at the link in my show notes so that you can go start shopping for yourself and check out that collaboration we did so you can get the look. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer, and today I have on Matt and Lisa Hunter. They are high school sweethearts who have been married for 21 years. Congratulations, guys. And they currently own six investment properties, two long-term rentals and four short-term rentals. They've had their home designs shared by Pottery Barn. They are six-time super hosts, and their properties produce $500,000 in annual gross revenue. I really wanted to have them on because I think there's been a lot of talk lately about scaling up to 100 units and how to have these massive portfolios. And I just, you guys know, have never been about that. I find that really unsustainable. And that's what leads to burnout and worse quality in your hosting practices and 
the kind of properties that you're putting out there and representing. And so I love that they are able to do so well financially off of just managing a few really strategic listings. So Matt and Lisa, welcome. Thank you guys for being here. Do you want to jump in a little bit about how you got started in real estate investing? Sure. Yeah, we're super excited, Natalie, to be on your show. Thanks for having us. My wife and I have been big fans of your show. Love listening to that on our car rides, all our different properties. And it has been so educational in hearing and learning yeah. from you and your guests along the way as well. Thank you. So we got started in our real estate investing actually back in early oh, 2015. My parents owned a property in Lake Havasu. It was like the family vacation home. And they said, Hey, we're going to sell, we're going to sell our vacation home. No, you guys don't come out here anymore. Of course, our kids were little at the time. So we were bummed and we're like, what if we buy it? Right. We made a deal. We ended up buying that house from them. And that became our first real estate investment. We thought we we're doing the right thing. We're super excited to have that for the family, keep the family traditions. And then it started the process and I'll at least share from there how it continued to evolve. Yeah. So what happened was we had this vacation home that we love to use. And then 2020 hits, COVID hits. And we found ourselves obviously spending a lot more time out there in Arizona. And we got so many people asking us, hey, can we rent your property? People were wanting to get out of California. It's a four-hour drive from California to Arizona where we're at. And can we use your property? We're like, yeah, of course. Very minimal cost. We started renting to family and friends and then people we didn't know. And then Matt, we could throw this thing on Airbnb. And so we put it on Airbnb and then shortly realized that there are regulations and there are rules and we are in an HOA and we can't just do whatever we want. So we learned the hard way that they had rules. And so you actually could not rent. Um, it had to be over a 30 day stay. So that kind of squashed that. But we really were intrigued by, by the Airbnb business model by expanding our future and real estate and what we were doing. And we thought what we're doing here, we could do on a bigger scale. So that's when things took a turn. So I think one thing, Lisa, you forgot to mention was we did make investments into like our yes. long-term rentals back okay. in 2015. Okay. So let me clarify that a little yeah. bit. We thought it'd be like the grown up thing to do. <laughs> Look, we're not investors. I don't know anything about the market, like financial investing like that, but I like assets. Like I like to see something and know I have an asset to invest in. I didn't know tax strategy at the same time. And we didn't even know what to do it. We thought, let's buy this property. We'll rent it out. It had a little bit of cash flow. We're like, hey, one day, one day this will be a good thing for us. We didn't know really why, but we just knew yeah. one day it'd be a solid investment. So we locked up year after year. We purchased one and then the next one the following years. And those were the long-term rentals, super passive, easy to do. We had a property manager that took, took care of it for us out there. The payment would roll in. We'd pay a mortgage, a little cash flow. Great. But then as Lisa said, we had this vacation home that we quickly realized we could no longer promote and do Airbnb. So started getting our wheels thing. And this happened really quickly because yeah. COVID was going on. And it was like January of 2020. Our friend, our realtor, Lauren says, puts on her story. Hey, I've got this cute little mountain cabin in Running Springs. And I messaged Lisa, I say, we should go look at this thing. We're not mountain people. We've probably been <laughs> to the mountains probably like three all. times in our lives. And we live like I don't know, an hour from the mountains, but yeah. we don't ever go up there. We're not snow people. We don't ski, but I'm like, that would be cool to have this little cabin for the family to go on little vacations. Is it like we do the Havasu house? And so we messaged her and we right away got up there and looked at it real quickly. And she says, this would make a really good Airbnb. I'm thinking that's what we were thinking too, to offset yeah. the cost and expense. 
So go ahead, Lisa, and share a Yeah, so that process. was our first experience, like really jumping in. We bought the place. We renovated it. We spent every... Matt was working a, a regular job. And so any evening, we're busy with our kids, but any evening that we had after work, because it's an hour drive, we would go up there and we would... Gosh, we... We renovated it. We gutted it. We, I remember we tore down the, the, what do you call it? We tore down everything, everything inside. Yeah. It wasn't in bad shape, but we had this vision. We're like, we want to make this a really cool space. And I know Lisa had experience staying at certain Airbnbs in Phoenix. And she came home and told me about this experience. I said, wait a minute. Like, what if we tried to create this own experience? Natalie, this is before we even knew this world of Airbnb and experience right. and all this special hospitality mm -hmm. and catering to your guests and doing this stuff. And I've always had such a love for design and Matt too, actually. So we work very well together. We can look at the space and see, okay, this is not functional. If we had guests staying here, the entrance was weird. And how can we really expand this? I mean, I remember we would take drives up there. We would paint, we would do flooring, all kinds of stuff. We would eat our dinners on the floor there. We spent our weekends and we really, that was like a true labor of love that we took this cute little cabin and really everything. I mean, from, like I said, flooring, paint, baseboards, revamping the spaces, furnishing, building deck. We did all kinds of stuff. And that's really what launched our Airbnb business. And we still just love that little place. And we love having guests stay. We even like to take our family up there. So then after that. So that started. And let me tell you, it's a funny story that I said, Lisa, what are we going to call this place? And she said, let's call it Deep Creek. I'm like, why Deep Creek? She said, that's the name of the street. It's on. It just sounds cool. I'm like, perfect. So it was neat how that came to be. We love and, to name all of our properties. Yeah. So then you have a reference point and then your guests start calling it that. And then jumping a little bit ahead, but we use Instagram. And so people know, oh, that's a clubhouse. So that's Vistalago or that's Deep Creek. So that's a little side note that we do with our business. So as we talked about, we were doing Airbnb or thinking we were doing like short-term stays in Havasu, not knowing we were getting busted the whole time. Um, that kind of was ending. We were jumping into this process with Deep Creek. That was our first short-term rental property that we bought. And I said, wait a minute, what if we just leveled up out here, sold this house and bought a cool house that we think would be a great experience and do this there and doorstep opening on a much bigger scale. And yeah. I remember we're still tickled to this point that we have that property. It's amazing resort style property. And so, you know, Natalie, as you do one, this kind of leads to the next mm -hmm. Get going for many reasons, whether it's tax reasonings or business reasonings or investment, you have the cash to do it. So we kept leveling up and kept adding to our portfolio. And meanwhile, the neighbor next to us in Running Springs at Deep Creek was moving out one day. And I had conversations with them over the past. And I said, well, tell me a little about your cabin. He says, hey, it's two bedroom, one bath. And I said, well, does it have the A-frame? Like, not, it's not full A-frame, but it's got that wood ceiling that's super popular for cabins up there. And yeah. I said, he said, yeah. And it's all the way through the entire property. I said, everything's vaulted. He said, yeah, the bedrooms and everything. And we always thought it'd be a cute property. And so we're there one day. And I said, well, can my wife and I look at it? Can we peek inside? And we did. And we're like, oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> this could be a real full renovation, but a really cool space. Yeah. And so we did a deal with him just direct. I said, what if we just cut a deal? We'll take it straight to escrow. He had his brother-in-law that was the realtor. So he guided it through, but it made the process seamless because we knew if that property went to market, we wouldn't get it. So yeah. luckily we locked it up prior to going to market. So that became our third property. And then just this past February, we bought our fourth short-term property that's getting ready to launch like right now. We actually went with a soft listing on Airbnb to get it out. 
with some notes in the listing about construction elements that are being done, but it wasn't able to book until July. Yeah. That property is called the Clubhouse. That's in Havasu. It's on the golf course. Super cool property. We're super excited about different vibe at each property, but it still feels like it still stays along the same brand. So I think I kind of brought you up to, to speed on, okay, yeah. here's where we started. Here's our long-terms, but the long-terms aren't fun. Like we're not, we're not excited about the long-term <laughs> investments. We don't know what to do with them. We don't stay. Yeah, yeah. They just kind of sit there. We still just hang on to them because, hey, they're, they're like a bank to us. So we just leave them there. But we're super excited about the short-term property. So that brings us to where we are at today and some super cool things that we're working on in many different areas of our business. Okay, can I jump in? That was such a good, a thorough intro and I have so many questions I've been holding back. Okay, so first of all, with the two long-term rentals, are you guys making any cash on that? Or is it just, those were pretty much purchased because like you said, you wanted to have assets. I, I know you have a property manager and they probably take a big chunk too. So how are those doing month to month? So those are doing really well. Okay. We've got a great property manager out there. She judge, does charge us a percentage. It's a 10% fee to handle the properties. So if she keeps on the fact, like if there's a garbage disposal goes out or if there's a minor issue at the house, I have a certain dollar amount. She just replaces it. I think it's up $500. So she'll take care of it. So I don't have to show up one day and be like, hey, I'm dealing with the house and it's a ton of issues to repair and to get back onto the market. So the house always stays in good shape, but they do positively cash flow. Now, now okay. we bought these homes when they were like $170,000, $200,000 out there and they yeah. more than doubled. So as the property values go up, also the cost of rent goes up. So yep. you can imagine it's created nice cash flow there. It's not overly like crushing it, but also too, they've been leveraged assets for us to continue to expand our business. Okay. So that's great. Cause I want to get clear. I want to know how you ended up financing the other four. So you had these two and like we said, they're positive cash flow, but I know that long-term rentals just don't do that much. Like you really right. buy them more for the assets and the overall appreciation. Yes. So can you walk me through when your parents had the Havasu home and decided to sell and you wanted to jump on that? Had you guys been like saving up a little bit for your next investment? Were you ready to go with that one? Yes. So we had a little bit of cash in the bank. I've always worked in corporate America. I did very well in, in leadership roles and executive roles and ownership and president roles. So I always did very well with W-2 type income. So qualifying wasn't overly difficult, but you get to a point to where you do reach a, you start capping out and we're just right at that threshold. But Recently, some things have changed for us with me and my business too. So we're going in a different direction, which we can talk about that in just a moment. But we were able to qualify for all this conventionally, right? Because it was very favorable for us from the loan rates. Yeah, you had to come up with big chunks down. But to me, I was okay putting large chunks of money down because I already always knew I'd have equity in a property. I had comfort. I liked to have margin. So it made me feel safe because I said, I'm taking the cash and putting it into an asset. So I'm just moving the equity from here to here. I wasn't losing it. It's just sitting in a different asset at the time. So yeah. we were able to scale up. Now, the long-term rentals we had, because they had so much equity in them, we were also able to leverage them for nice. cash. I think mm -hmm. that most in real estate people do. And all this, Natalie, has happened quickly over the past couple of years. We really didn't know what we were doing. We were just thinking, hey, I think this is the right move. I didn't have a lot of mentorship, a lot of education in real estate. So then I start asking questions, started meeting people, started learning started listening to podcasts, started reading books, right? And figuring out how can I scale this? What I love about your story is it sounds like you got the long-term rentals back in 2015, I think you yeah. said. And what I like is at that time, you didn't know 
Airbnb wasn't even on your mind, no short-term rental. You didn't even want to manage these. You were going to get a property manager. But I just love that you didn't even know how that decision was setting you up for this growth to now happen within just a couple of years. Like those properties now have gained that equity in eight years. And that's what's helped so much to finance everything else. I think it's just a really like inspiring story. You don't have to know everything. Just dive in, just go for it. It's going to pay off. I want to ask about that Havasu home, the one you bought from your parents. Once you figured out that they had the 30-day minimums and there was just a lot of regulation around listing those as short-term rentals, has how have you overcome that? Was there a decision to sell that and swap it out for a different property? Yes. Yeah. The one thing is it was actually not a 30-day, not that it makes a big difference, but it was an HOA community. So the guidelines were 90 days. So That's just right. to clarify, that yeah. property specifically, it was a nice gated community to do established area. It was a great home for this, had great views, great pool. So it made tons of sense. We didn't know. My parents didn't know. So we were getting fines and letters in the mail. I start un- like oh opening the mail. I'm like, what's going on here? I didn't know. So we were able to negotiate out of that. We said, we can't do that anymore. We shut it down. We said, hey, oh, now we'll just move on to something else. And then light bulbs started going off later. We were out there in January. Lisa said, hey, I think I could retire out here one day. I said, wow, you, I'm surprised you said that. But we wanted a house that would check a lot of boxes and be a beautiful place. And it had these four items we wanted, that big pocket door across the back, pool, lake view, RV garage, all this stuff. And I'm like, those are hard to find. And I called our realtor and said, yeah, there's no one being built right now. And I'm like, well, how much can I sell my house for? So, hey, here's the number. And so it was like a perfect deal. I'm like, we could just step up into this. Yeah. And then part of it though, Natalie, to make the deal work, we knew we'd have to move it on to a short-term rental, but we were so confident. I ran the numbers through and through. I looked what the highest level potential would be, what the lowest potential would be. And I said, this at lowest, it's at least going to cover our expense. So we're still not going to carry a ton of expense. And we'll have basically somebody pay for this thing for us. That was my logic behind it. And then it just keeps going, right? Because you see how much positive cash flow this thing would turn. And we just kept thinking, let's do the next one. And with the Havasu house, we really felt like there was this, this need or this niche that we can get into of a luxury higher end home. And some people thought we were so crazy. We hear it all the time, you know, as we were setting it up and we would share a lot of stuff on Instagram, people would say, you're going to let people stay there? Like, I can't believe <laughs> it. And I think that's the biggest question we get. Like, aren't you worried about people messing up your stuff? But I mean, there's so much that goes behind that with the cleaning crew and everybody you have help managing your home. But we thought that there's this, we can take this and expand on it and making something really big. And we are all about the experience that someone mm-hmm. comes to the home and everything is there for them. It's high end that it's maybe a little bit nicer than what they have at home. And it's a full experience when they go to the lake house. They can sit on the top deck. You can see all the way from Cupcake Mountain all the way to Thompson Bay. It's a beautiful pool with a fire pit, water features. Like Matt said, this awesome sliding door. We have a private casita upstairs. So it's one of those places where you're like, I'd like to come here every year and bring our whole family because everyone has room. There's enough bathrooms. So we did take a risk on that, but it's definitely paid off. And we've got a lot of great feedback that people love the home and they love staying there. You just you just touched on something that I've been thinking for a while and haven't articulated. But that thought that people are like, aren't you worried someone's going to mess it up? 
I've been thinking for a while that I I don't want to host anything where I'm not a little bit afraid of somebody messing it up. Like True. the kind of properties that are out there that are just thrown together with Ikea and Amazon furniture, I just don't think are worth hosting today. That's part of this Airbnb bust movement. And I wouldn't take pride in that. So I really love your strategy, again, of just p doing a few properties only, but putting everything into them and really hosting a nice experience. Um, exactly. So that Havasu property, it's a luxury property. I looked at the listing. I think it sleeps like 16 people, if I'm right. So it's a huge property. If you're comfortable going into numbers, what are you charging on that per night on average? And how is the seasonality in that market? So those are great questions, Natalie. And that was one of our thoughts going into again, because we just forecast about, hey, we think this will do. We weren't sure about seasonality, but we knew Havasu had a pretty good draw just because it's summer and there's some winter, there's snowbirds and a lot of activities that are planned out there. So our average daily of night, daily revenue per night is around $1,200. The occupancy on that property is... I'd have to check, but it's probably close to 60%. So it, it brings in probably $200,000 a year in revenue. That was the forecast. And when I built out the model, that was the forecasted model. I said, if we, that'd be 200 grand. That's what we we're looking for. And it sure enough, it produces. We spend a lot of time marketing it. We put a lot of emphasis. We spent a lot of money trial and error with marketing and it didn't work. We thought Instagram influencers, all this stuff. I know you've talked about that before too. We yeah. were spending big money doing some stuff. And at the end of the day, it came down to, use our own marketing, use social as a marketing tool and let your guests market for you. We have some guests that just checked in the other day. And of course they're sharing their stories, their kids, their reaction, all this stuff. And so their platforms are reaching other people. So it's saying that organic growth. So we've also taken a different approach on marketing us as a couple, as hosts. We have, we launched our own in the last what, year, we launched our own website where we share about our properties. We have a blog, which we talk about all different kinds of things, personal stuff to kids stuff, all the way to projects we've done at the houses. And it's been crazy because all of that, like these stepping stones have led to open these doors that we were not expecting. I've always been intrigued by design and I would help friends and have little projects do room makeovers. But those doors have opened and we're now designing an, another property for another couple, not a short-term rental, but the real personal home. And it's just, it's crazy how, you know, you put yourself out there and it's a little bit scary, but it's opening up doors and to allow us to work together. Because as Matt said, his job situation changed this past year. Now to get back to one of your thoughts too, is what is the seasonality on that property? That was one of our concerns oh, in Havasu, yes. right? Most people think, hey, Lake Havasu. It's just winter, right? Excuse me. It's just, well, there's yeah. a lot of activities that go out there in the winter as well. There's off-roading, there's snowbirds, there's golf. There's a lot of cool stuff. But we had somebody reach out to me and they wanted 40 nights and they were coming from Wisconsin. They were snowbirds. And I told them, I said, it's overkill for just you and your wife. And he said, we like nice hiring amenities. We'd have our kids come out and stay a little bit. So I said, well, here's the rate. Obviously, you're not going to pay this rate. It's astronomical. But I wasn't sure how the property performed that year because we'd never been through that season yet. So mm -hmm. we ended up cutting a deal we were comfortable with. It was a much, it was a very reduced number from what we'd see on Airbnb. We were happy with that, but we know next year, because I watched and saw like everything else happening on rate freeze and all the other stuff that was going on. I said, we don't need to do that. We will go to the market and let it run as a short-term rental. So it's one of those things you go through those experiences mm -hmm. and you learn. Yeah. The property does really well, but it's also, it's branded very well. So it's got a good attraction compared to most. I do see a lot of our com competition 
doesn't perform as well as this property does. Yeah. Are you guys putting a huge emphasis on direct booking or I know you have your own website, but is that where you're from your Instagram and your own marketing? Is that where you're directing people or to Airbnb? I think we can both comment that a little bit. And look, I've listened to a lot of different podcasts, talked to a lot of different people. And there's always a side, we get all these direct bookings. One, it's difficult. It's like the easy. marketing reach yeah. is difficult. I think you even talked about that before. And the thing I like about Airbnb, especially with newer guests or VRB or whatever platform you're using, they vet the guests for me. I don't need to worry about that. It comes in, handles all the payment, all the taxes get remitted. It makes my life a lot easier. Yeah, I pay money to do that, but their reach is much better than mine. Now, as the guest comes through, of course, I market to them like, hey, on your next time around, feel free to reach out to us directly. We offer that as well, right? But yeah. we also learned now, you might know this, that we almost want to encourage people to book again on Airbnb because yeah. we know that's a huge algorithm boost. If they come and hit your property again from Airbnb as a return mm -hmm. guest, yes. that's a huge boost. We just learned that the other day. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we learned when we did that long-term stay that it really affected our business on Airbnb because it wasn't yeah. showing this property is not really available right now. So that kind of messed us up. We had to work hard to get our way back up to page one. So honestly, it would be a perfect world if people would... They would just flock to our personal website and they would book direct with us. But it just, it's just not that easy because Matt said the reach of Airbnb is so much greater than we can do. And also the minute you take that away, again, it's going to mess up the algorithm. We want the good reviews. We want the comments from our guests, the positive comments. We want those rebooking. So yeah, we do rely on those two platforms yeah. for sure. Yeah, I think as long as you are... Yeah, you touched on great points. It, it definitely keeps you higher in their search rankings and more favorable with Airbnb if you are staying on their platform. But I think as long as you you have your website built and you yeah. do have the capability for direct booking, and if you're doing your part too to collect your guests' emails or contact info, so if you ever do get shut down, there is a way to still stay in touch, then I think that that's like the best thing you can do. But yeah, that's my, one of my big critiques with direct booking. People know I am a skeptic out there because the thing that doesn't get talked about is how many resources you have to pour into taking over the marketing if you're not going to let Airbnb do it for you. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So after you launched, so offloaded your parents' original place to get this investment, and then that's when you made the pivot to Running Springs. Can you talk a little bit about those two properties there? And again, another point I want to hit is you just got started. I just love how you keep saying that doors just open once you do this. That second property in Running Springs literally came from a neighbor being on the same street. And that's how that gem like fell into your laps. It's so similar to my story of hosting too. So I really resonate yeah. with really. you guys. Yeah. So yeah, things started happening. And so we had the one property, this our portfolio at the time, we've now had our two long-terms in Havasu, our short-term in Havasu, our luxury property, and then our mountain cabin. We're like, cool, this is enough to deal with. We don't need any more. Yeah. And it was a full, every year in February, we, and literally it's been four years now in a row, I think. It's, been, it's always the same month. It's always yeah. been February. It's like <laughs> we were purchasing a property and we're like, oh, weird. And it was always around <laughs> President's weekend, like we're closing our property. <laughs> so that property next door to Deep Creek, which we call the Den now, went available. So we went over and talked to them. I think the one thing that for me, one of my strengths, I'm always networking. I'm always talking oh to gosh. people and like, just connecting. What do you do? What do they do? What's going on here? And you learn through conversations about so many other opportunities. I always said before all of this that Matt, I'm like, if you could just get paid to be like a networker, like he's a handshaker, he's not afraid to pick up the phone. 
he will talk to anybody. And it, it's cool to see now, like fast forward, like all the connections he has, people he knows, he can call someone and pick their brain about landscaping or about finances or about really anything. So it's always good to just not be afraid to reach out to people, to network. Like that has made such a difference in our business. I couldn't imagine it. if we didn't have some of those connections, it would have been a lot harder for us. Yeah, absolutely. So, Natalie, I got a funny story. And I think this is relevant, especially to the listeners too. As you probably know, San Bernardino County regulations permitting is different now a year than it was a year or two ago. So we get this second property in Running Springs and they went on this kind of like this moratorium hold. You couldn't get a permit for four months in San Bernardino. Then they me quickly, but does Running Springs have its own city council or city ordinance? It's unincorporated, yeah, it's right? It's unincorporated and, just, right? and falls to council. So we're taking our time, sweet time on this property, just renovating. And it's our, one of our struggles we have is when we go for a property, like it has to be a certain look and match our brand. So literally like we just find ourselves just gutting everything at each property and it's probably not the best decision that to make. Exactly, like, that yeah. is exactly what we do too. Like yeah, we I'm only like, buy yeah. ugly fixer uppers. Like I yeah. want to customize it to my own thing. I'm not getting right. anything that's halfway decent. Right. Everything's been down to drywall and yep. studs and rebuild it all. We try to look now like, can we keep a bathroom? Like a bathroom is very right. expensive. Can we keep a bathroom or is the kitchen okay? Because those are the two major biggest expenses. Yeah. We're sweet. We're slow walking this property. And then it's we're probably into this thing for eight months, just renovating it. And it wasn't costing mm -hmm. us a ton because it's a pretty minimal investment. So it wasn't yeah. overly killing us. But we knew, let's just get this thing done. We had a very busy year in 22. And so I go to submit on Airbnb. Obviously, it wouldn't allow me to upload my listing because I had to have my permit number based upon San Bernardino County. And I said, well, yeah, let me go get it. Because last time, literally, it took me like two weeks. They were backed up like four months. Yep. <laughs> so one of my greatest tips to everybody now I talk to is like, the day you close, make one, make sure the regulations will allow for yes. this. But two, the day you close, or if you can have a conversation before that, get that paperwork submitted and get your permit. This is such a good tip. I've been telling this to owners I co-host for who also want to do renovations. Get the permit before yes. you do any sort of renovation or anything because if something gets stalled you will not pass your inspection for plumbing or if, if anything is delayed like that just pass it the way it is where it's livable and then go make it cuter <laughs> and then yes. you can go yeah. list it good after point, Natalie, good point yeah yeah that's yeah great. we're even telling people to obviously when you're searching for a property find out for yourself make those phone calls and see if they are still accepting short-term rental permits mm -hmm. because you can't just unfortunately count on oh, the real estate agent said it was okay, or no. this would make a great short-term rental. We're seeing it all over California where they are really cracking down on regulations. So just do your homework, your research, and make sure that you've made the phone calls that, yes, we are still accepting short-term rental permits. And like you said, get it right away. Do not wait <laughs> longer. Yeah. Your next Havasu home, the most recent one you purchased, the clubhouse, I think you're calling it, is that on the Arizona side as well? Correct. That's in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. Okay. We called it the clubhouse because it, it backs up and sits on the second hole of the golf course. So it has a really cool view right there of the golf course. Nice. Nice. So those properties, your Havasu demographic is very different from your Running Springs cabins. How yes. has that been managing the two different types of guests and types of seasonality? It's just a completely different guest you're carrying. Yes, or do you like the challenge? We love the challenge. And we know now the demographic is different, but in many ways it's similar, right? Because they're outdoors people. So families. it's the mountains, it's families. Yeah. People wanted to bring their pets. And we're like, oh, no pets. And then I said, wait a minute, let's think about this. What if we had a pet-friendly home? One, we can charge for it. 
all our flooring is pet friendly. Like our cabins are pet friendly and our habits. And many people that travel to both these locations always have their pets. And sometimes they won't tell you that they bring their pets, but they're going to bring them anyways. And so that's one thing we found instead of trying to fight it, I was like, I don't want a dog like chewing everything up. Instead of trying to fight it, no, let's work with our guests as long as they're up front. And honestly, it's been totally, it's been totally fine. Yeah. But the demographics, obviously, because the Havasu houses are bigger, they have a larger capacity, occupancy capacity, I guess. And it changes as groups travel in. But yeah. we have a funny story for you. So Vista Lago, our premier property, first time it gets rented. I remember getting that first Airbnb bing. It's like bing. Mm-hmm. And I looked down and said, oh my gosh, at least we just got a booking for almost $5,000. I'm like, yeah. We were like high-fiving, cartwheeling, and we were so excited. And then it's every day, because when you go first on Airbnb, you get yeah. a lot of luck. 30 yeah. days, your phone's blowing up. And then it takes work after that. So we were so excited. We were there. We were prepping the house to get ready. There was a chef that, sh- uh, no, actually, after they booked, they said, hey, we need chefs. We need a boat driver. We need this and this. And we were not prepared for that, but we acted like we did. We said, <laughs> oh, yeah, we got it. Least, you need sure. to hop on Facebook platforms and start finding recommendations and referrals and let's qualify them. We're going to have a list written out. We'll send to these guests a beautiful list. And sure enough, we do. And just even the chefs we have that work in the property all love working at the property and they still work there, right? And they get jobs from our guests, even mm-hmm. back home or where locally. So it's been cool to help build relationships with those people and help them with jobs. And we've realized with that property, it's always a plus to offer like a concierge service. So we mm-hmm. have, again, because of Matt's networking, we know so many people there. We have people that can stock a fridge. So when the guests arrive, everything is there book their reservations for them. We have an event girl that can come to the house and she could do balloons, tablescapes. So it's really a different experience than what we're dealing with at the cabin. The people that come to the cabin are more just appreciate just being they there. Just love the and house. Having, they love the outdoors. Yeah, they just want a quiet place to get away and they like to cook there. So yeah, the crowds are definitely the guest avatar, I guess, is so different mm-hmm. in both properties. But I think as long as we know that and we've learned that and we can accommodate both for sure. Yeah. With those concierge services you're offering, are you making any sort of markup on that or are you just providing the list? Here's the chefs, call whoever you want. We are not actually. We don't make any money off of that. Again, we just provide. We're just a liaison. We tell our guests we have a beautiful thing written out and we email it to them. Like, here's our three, our top chef recommendations. We have a bartender if you need one. No rentals, but no, we haven't, we don't, we haven't done that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it allows us though to keep a little bit of control over the vendors that are coming through the house, yeah. like the chefs, if they were just picking whoever they want. And we just thought, listen, if we can just have them support our business, I'm not trying to climb on their backs, but maybe at right. some time and it might be appropriate, but at right. this point it's not. One of the cool things we had set up is, and many people do this, so we're not overly special, but we found somebody on Fiverr to do like an electronic book. So yeah. And they book in like a few days before they check in, they get it. It's a link and it's beautifully done. It's a nice deck. So where there's links, they can live connect, see restaurants and start their planning and menus. So it's perfect. It sets up a really nice experience. We We tried like doing that ourselves at first. I spent so much time putting together a physical book. And then I realized people, once they get there, I, we didn't even know if they'd look, if they looked at Mm. it, because a lot of times they want that information before they arrive at your property so they can plan their trip, which restaurants they're going to go to, the check-in procedures. Like you don't need the check-in procedures once you're already on the property. <laughs> so we learned the hard way. I spent so much time on that, that 
digital is the way to go. They have a QR code. Obviously, we sent it to them before. But again, when they get in the house, there's a QR code. They just use their phone and everything's there available for them. But the thing that we do as well is a beautiful guest book that we put at each property. They're all made by the same vendor, but they just look a little bit different. And I love that because we vacation at our properties. We take our, we have two kids. We take them, we take their friends, we take family. I love reading through those comments and seeing the comments that people are leaving, the fun things they did, the things that they loved about the house that they can't wait to come back and also see where they're from. And then other guests obviously can read that too. So the old school guest book, but, and everybody's going to do things different. And I think we're going to constantly be evolving and changing and trying different things. But yeah, we love that that information book, all digital. I'd love to pivot a little bit to talk about design. From my understanding, you're not a professional designer, but you just were inspired by HETV, wanted to try that out on your own. And then you guys ripped everything down and did it yourselves or you had contractors, but you were living there overseeing everything. And now you say that you've been featured on Pottery Barn and how are you just like a hobbyist designer? Like you just have an eye for this or have you gone and got an education in design? Okay, so now I'm going to tee this up. And I've told her this for a long time. I said, people comment all the time when they come through our properties about the design and what you've done. You need to help people, right? And so she had just started doing this, but at least share your story because this is pretty cool. Yeah, I've always had this interest and love for design and making spaces beautiful, but also comfortable and homey. And it's come organically. So it started with the four properties. Obviously, you have to have a vision and Matt and I do work together. And so we're coming up with designs and creating things. We did have contractors on all the homes, but again, it was completely our design. I'm also like a hunter for a great deal. My favorite local place is probably the Pottery Barn Outlet. We like stock that place and they have an Instagram where you can see all the things they're getting in for that day. And I would tell Matt, oh my gosh, there's this couch I want. Can you take your truck over after work and get it? And so he would Possibly be bringing home things for me. We would stop their website and just see everything that they had because it wasn't like stuff they're getting rid of. It actually was current stuff from their current online store. It just maybe had a little dent in it or some of the stuff was in perfect condition. So it really just happened, like I said, organically designing, staging, decorating these four properties and then people asking, can you do my room? Can you do this? Can you do that? So that's how it started. I'm not professionally trained or anything. I just know what I like. And I think that I have a good eye for things. And it's turned into a business now for me, which is crazy to think, because like I said, it's open doors. And I know that has been the Lord just saying, you guys are stepping out in faith and we're going to, I'm going to open these doors for you. And that's really, I don't know how else to explain it, but that's exactly how it's all happened. And it's honestly been a whirlwind. I'm working on a really big project right now and it's exciting and it's scary and it's, it's I don't know, it's just fun. So that's just yeah. kind of This is just the running theme of this conversation. I'm finding through talking to you guys, everything has been just one step, like having a gut feeling about like, all right, we're just going to do these long-term rentals. And then my parents are selling this place. We think it's a good move to get into. And it just seems the Running Springs property was just post on Instagram story, but everywhere that you felt good about it, you said yes. And now here you guys are. It's just really, I don't know, just it's, I'm finding your story very relatable. And I think that you guys are I hope this doesn't come off like 
the wrong way, but this is like one of the conversations I've had that I feel is like the most like attainable. I'm like, okay, I can follow every step they did. And you guys don't have real estate experience. You're not realtors. You're not brokers. You weren't professional investors. You're not a designer, but you just figured it out. You know, I just love that. And we get people all the time that come to us. I really want to do that. I've watched you guys and we really want to do that. And and it's just, we took the steps to do it though. Yeah. Sometimes you have to take the action. And is it risky? Absolutely. It could have flopped for both of us. Maybe we weren't good at hospitality or we didn't really know how to set up a property. But a lot of it was trial and error. And really, again, just taking that first step. That's what I tell people. Take a class, listen to podcasts, read some books, take the next step. We hear it all the time. And people love to pick our brains and say, tell us what you did. Tell us what you did. We try to share that as much as possible through our blog. And yeah, we just try to encourage people for sure. I want to, because the biggest thing that I hear that stops people, I think is financing. That is the number one thing that scares people. I know you mentioned that the two long-term rentals really helped you guys with pulling equity to that for your future assets and purchases. I'm curious, did you know with each deal how you were going to buy it? Or is it because, Matt, you've networked, you have all these, all the right people to talk to? And is it just as simple as making a phone call and like, hey, we want to purchase this deal? How, where, what are we looking at? Like, how's the money situation? What can we do? Great question. Because I think it's just fascinating. I know that you know this and many of your listeners don't, but I'm super excited to share this with some people that are going to be listening right now because it really helped us to grow our business. I was a high W-2 income earner and I was just getting crushed on taxes. Like I had no, and I'm like, how does this happen? What can we do? I've heard these stories. You can get this, you can get that. And somebody, somebody said, hey, have you ever like cough sagged and depreciated properties? I said, nope, Valley. I wasn't depreciating any of the properties. Yeah, even I my, didn't know what my, that word meant until like right. Yeah, even our CPA, our CPA that I just moved over because the person prior to that was not a real estate. They had no idea what we're doing. He just liked this S-corp thing, but... I finally took everything to like a real estate CPA who I met through a real estate agent. And she said, where are your schedule E's on the properties? I said, what do you mean? What it was like? Yeah. Oh, your depreciation. I said, I don't have those. She said, wait, why? I don't know. So at the same time, I'm networking and talking to somebody and said, Hey, cost segregation is what you need to look at. As many of your listeners know, you can advance all that depreciation, the five and 15 year up to bonus, especially the last couple of years was hundred percent. Now it steps down, but that's probably the key that helped us to unlock a lot of this within the past year and a half, because if I'm not paying that money to somebody else, now it stays in my pocket, which I can then now use to invest coming in with 20, 25% down to where I can get conventional loans. I can qualify all day long with the high level income, but I was just getting crushed because I'm like, I need some cash. I need some cash to make these deals happen. Mm-hmm. So that helped me to unlock that. I think that was a big pivotal moment for us. Plus it's like some of the properties we had were under lease agreements. Again, we weren't utilizing that to show that, hey, somebody's paying for that. So it's offsetting that debt. I'm not mm-hmm. carrying that debt. We had our S Corp set up incorrectly. So we had to correct that to where we can use that as the correct tax procedure for us. So there's a lot of things we've learned. It's been a little painful at times. It's not yeah. easy. It's not like it was called saying, hey, I need a loan. Yeah. It does take work. Yeah. And even to get the premier property in Havasu, like I, we reached out and we like, they're like, yeah, you can't qualify. I'm like, what do you mean? And I had to totally unwind it. And I started talking to people and they found the avenue and we were able to go conventional, find a great loan, great rate. And we were super blessed to be able to get that done, but it took some work to get that done. I didn't listen to the first no we got. Yeah. I kept yeah. looking and talking to people. Yep. 
And I like, so you say that you follow this pattern unintentionally that every February, it seems you're buying <laughs> a new property. Is that planned to continue or has that just been by accident? That's when a property has come across your radar or is that like the process of when you've had enough equity to be able to reinvest in something? I think it honestly just happened like that. Yes, it was yeah. weird. I'm like, we're doing, she's doing time hop. So, hey, we were just closing Deep Creek like last year. I'm, and then here's another property. I'm like, oh, that's so weird. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah, that really wasn't planned, but we actually do intend on expanding our business for sure. We, we're doing some things right now. We are so excited to take everything we've learned with Airbnb, short-term rentals, and really expand on that. We have some things planned, yeah. Yeah, so I could share about oh, that yeah, a little that. bit. If you don't mind, Natalie, I know <laughs> yeah, that uh, we've been going for a while, but so for me, my career changed. I sold our business or I didn't sell, but we sold the business. My partner and I back in January of, of this year. And so I was retained by the new corporation for a while as president officer, try to help with the integration. So it lasts about three months. And I realized that this isn't really the place for me anymore. Like corporate America, I didn't like it. I didn't like being tied to the desk all day, working 60 hours a week, but I loved this real estate thing we had going on over there. And I know it's not fully replaced my income yet, but it's given us a pathway to take that step and go and do that. We had some reserves set up. So I left corporate America. And then Natalie, this is where things started happening. Doors started unlocking, right? Lisa's design business. The cool thing we're working on right now is we just visited Paso Robles this past weekend. And there's an event space up there that we think would be beautiful. Multiple homes, big barn. It'd be a wedding venue space pond, water, pool, all this cool stuff that create a fabulous experience for a destination wedding, all encompassed on one property. So that's the, what we're looking at. Oh that's my a dream. gosh. And it's a dream. You know, that's my actual dream to have really? a new short-term rental. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> wow. So congrats, you guys. Is this closed on or this is just... No. It's, okay. in, it's in a deal right okay. now. Yeah. We're, Fingers we're close. Crossed to you. Yeah. We're wow. close. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. What if this closes and all goes through? What is the plan? Would you guys keep everything else and still be operating it or looking for a co-host? Do you want that to be more passive to focus on this? How's the time management of all of this? We haven't talked about that a whole lot. We thought about maybe letting our original first property go because it's a nice little property, but like the time and energy, like we think that same time and energy we can use somewhere else for bigger dollars. And it's got equity and we can... And it's got some equity so we can 1031 it. Or do we just keep it? Because we bought it at such a low price point. Like yeah. it's easy at cash flow as well. Is this the Havasu one or the long-term rentals? That would be our first Running Springs property. Oh, got it. Yeah, the short that would be Deep Creek. But good point, Natalie. We use Guesty and a lot of other technology platforms that make our life a lot easier. A lot of it's automated with yeah. door codes and instructions and check-in instructions, all the stuff that they need. So... While I find myself involved, it's not like I'm just strapped to every booking all day, right? There's sometimes now I don't even, my cleaning crew that I have in Running Springs, they're on it. They're really good. And they're like, hey, it's done. It's turned over. Your guests checked in. Everything's good. So it's almost somewhat passive, but it still yeah. takes, hey, we got to stock the place. We're up there once a month taking care of stuff, but I'm not working full time anymore. I so we have the time have to changed. do this. Yeah. Yeah. And also to touch on what he's saying, I'm sure people know this, but having a, a great cleaning management crew that you can count on. I remember when I we were interviewing people for our Havasu location, I met this woman and she's, I will treat this home like it's my own. And I'm like, yeah, she's just saying that she wants the job. And man, that couldn't be more true. When she walks into the house and if there's anything out of place or broken, because that's what happens, that's the cost of doing business. 
she's more mad than we are. And we just love it because she calls it her home. And that is so important to running a successful business because you need people that are reliable and the people you can count on and the people that really treat the home well. And we have that in both locations. And it just worked out where we could have two in Running Springs, two in Lake Havasu. We got the same crew on, on both houses in the areas. And so that has helped us to scale because then we're not trying to find another cleaning crew and people we can count on because because we aren't there and we don't live there, we need them to, hey, can you rub it to the house? Can you do this? Hey, can you take the trash cans out? Can you meet this person there that needs to do repair? So it's those little things. And obviously we pay them for everything that they do and all of their time and we treat them well. That's one thing that we have learned is how you treat people. Um, they're going to be, they're going to give it back to you. We try to pay them extra holidays. Always tell them when they're doing a good job. Just give them extra little things. And one fun thing we try to do is let our cleaning crew stay at one of the homes. And they absolutely loved that. So that was a gift we've done before. And we'd like to do that more often. But again, you just give them a weekend or a week, like peak yeah. season, yeah. off season? Is that like they so, can pick like a timeshare or you like give them the same week every year? So our Havasu team, because it's the lady, her kids, like her whole family's involved in this yes. thing. Okay. And her kids are grown adult kids, but they all run different parts of their business. And they do a lot of other services out there in Havasu. I said, hey, we would like to gift you a stay at our cabin in Running Springs. And mm -hmm. she says, oh, we would love that. She says, can we get Thanksgiving? And I'm like, mm. <laughs> Thanksgiving's like, so a, that's like, that that's like a premium yeah. Yeah. crime. Yeah, not there. really. <laughs> oh, but you do such a good job for us. And we would not be able to run our business without you. I said, no. we would love to give that to you. And they just had the best time. Wow. So we were blessed to be able to do that. And I know that investment pays off long-term, right? As a short-term, I wouldn't say it's a short-term loss, but yeah, we gave up probably $1,500, $2,000 in revenue for that week or for that time. But I gained so much more. We gained so much more with our crew and loyalty and just the fact, the love that we can show them. I will tell you, I'm in Big Bear, not Running Springs, but Thanksgiving has never done that well for us. It's just, really? I don't know why. I always expect it every year. I'm like, it's going to do well. It's going to do well. And it ends up just being like a regular Friday, Saturday rate. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. I don't know why. Year, been my the experience. first year we had it, it did really well. And unfortunately, yeah. it was during that season of wind and weather. And literally, they shut the whole mountain down. Yes. So it was we kind of, power. It's like we were like yes. newbies. We're like two two months into this thing. So we're scrambling. Our crew brought over a generator they had. So we were able to get them through and they had a great time. But again, that's you great. live yeah. and you learn through those processes. Yeah, things yeah. happen. And that's one thing that we always talk about. And we tell people like, you really learn to pivot real quick. Not everything is going to go smoothly and go your way. Or unfortunately, things happen with guests. But if you pivot real quick, find a solution, try to stay calm, get people involved, ask for help. We can really help any situation that's come our way. We've had a little bit of everything, I think, yeah. with weather, just issues at the house, at the homes, different things, but you just try to pivot. And really those issues have been minimal in the yeah. grand scheme of things. Like it's been yeah. a minimal amount of issues versus the amount of bookings and time people have been there and the many guests we've had come through our properties. Yeah. yeah, it's funny because I when you're going through it with a difficult guest or something broken water heater or something that seems like the end of the world, it <laughs> just like you're just pulling your hair out. But when I look back, I can maybe count all the like memorable, stressful experiences on one hand, maybe right. in over a thousand reservations. Wow. Yeah, the longer you do it, the more you like see the big picture. And it's really mm -hmm. not that bad. <laughs> so true. So true. 
Wow. Congrats, you guys, on all the success. I wish you the best of luck with this Paso Robles deal closing. Please keep me posted if it does. I guess my last question is also, Lisa, for your design business, has this taken away from your guys' projects at all? Or is has this been like... What? The, the timing, has been, thing? The timing yeah. has been perfect. That I just finished the interior of the clubhouse, the most recent Havasu house. Literally, it's done. And so it's sitting there. We're just waiting on the final... Yeah, the final pieces of the backyard. And then I got approached about this next project. And I even told the, the client, I said, this actually works out perfectly because my calendar's opened up. And so now I can help with that. And then hopefully I would be done with that project. And then we could move on to if we actually do end up doing this other project, because obviously that will take a lot of time. It's a big property. So no, everything has just lined up. And I'm trying to also take little jobs in between here and there. Yeah, no, it's all, it's thankfully all worked out. You know, I haven't had to say no yet. That's wonderful. And yeah, congrats, Matt, on the business sale and being able to leave corporate America. <laughs> um, I, I think just the moral of the story talking to you guys again is this all actually started. It seems like such a quick growth, but back in 2015, you bought that one property, not even knowing what it would become, but I think that's what positioned everything else. So I just encourage anyone listening, if you've been sitting on the sidelines for a while, you don't need to have it figured out. Just jump into that first deal, put your money in some sort of real asset. And I think later as opportunities come up, the more you do this, the better you get at recognizing what's a good deal or not. The closer you are to meeting the right people and seeing better deals pop up, finding people to answer all your questions. You just got to you just got to get out there and do the first step. Yep. So true. So yep. true. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much. What's the best way for people to connect with you on Instagram? Or if anyone has questions, I want to know where to send them. Yeah, definitely through Instagram. I My handle's love by Lisa. And then, okay. and then I'm Matt Hunter 27. And you okay. can find more information about us at meetthehunters.net. Meetthehunters.net. Yes. Okay. Yes, we'll... Our blogs, all of our properties, and our Instagram and everything. Wonderful. Okay, we'll link that below. You guys go check out all of their listings. I took a look at them. They're all so beautiful. And you guys did a really wonderful job. I'm not surprised at all at your success. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you so much. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole, we have a post from my friend Patrick Switek. If you remember, he was a guest on the show back on episode number 38 and he posted to his Instagram stories a picture of a message that his guests wrote in the guest book and I just had to laugh. I think that this is our third guest book feature to make it into the Airbnb hole. Y'all are writing some wild things in these guest books out here. Okay, let's let's dive into this one. This was a listing in Joshua Tree. Howdy, Dome people. We are still enjoying our stay, but we felt inspired to share as we continue on dot 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 on our trip, quite literally trip, proceed to draw a picture of a mushroom to Joshua Tree. We realized that anything is a trail if you're walking on it. Quickly, we realized we were wrong as our trippy hike turned into, oh, we're wandering lost in the desert at 45% panic. I do not recommend tripping on your desert hike but also really recommend it. I felt like my inner child was out to play. To be continued, dot, dot, dot. P.S. We are in our 30s from NYC. We also suggest either flashing or mooning the desert rocks as every form taken by the stones mimics that which we embody. They seem to like it. 
Update. We spent our last two days falling even deeper into love and trust. We painted one another naked, painted canvas, and built a fort. Our inner children are fed and safe. This is just... You guys, again, I think that this is the third time that we've read a guest book submission, and the last two were about people, how much sex they were having on their stay. There's just... This is just TMI. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a prude, you guys. I just... Look, we just heard Matt and Lisa's beautiful story, how inspiring they are as a couple. And what did she say? We love leaving the guest book out because people write such thoughtful things and then other guests can flip through and read stuff. And this is just, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a guest in a place reading stories of past guests who are naked painting each other's bodies and mooning the rocks. Like, is it, am I the weird one for that? I don't think it's me. I don't think I'm the weird one. I think it's these people. Again, I, maybe I'm just a prude. You guys tell me. Maybe I am just way too uptight. This is just this is just weird to me. Like I think that there's a time and this is great. Write this in your diary, not not the guest journal of your listing where future families are going to book with their kids and they're going to read this and say, "Mom, why'd they draw a mushroom and say they were tripping?" you cooked mushrooms in our pasta tonight. Like, I just, I, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Maybe I'm the Airbnb hole and maybe I'm just way, way, way too uptight for all of this. But that's my two cents. Let's just keep these guest books appropriate. Like, they're a nice thing to have. And now this is the third guest book that we've read. The other two were about people's raunchy sexcapades in the listings. Nobody wants to know about that. Nobody wants to know about that. This kind of behavior is just unhinged and it's gonna make me not want to leave guest books anywhere. This is gonna, this is gonna trigger, this is a nice thing and you're ruining it. So let's just, let's just stop. Write this in your own diary and stop putting it in your Airbnb guest book, okay? Thank you. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.